Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is so nice to be able to preach to you today without shouting because we have power, we have sound system. It's wonderful, but my, my voice and my throat is a little bit beat up from last week. One moment, please. Oh, goodness. All right. Our text for this morning is Psalm 19, 1 to 14. This is a psalm from David, and it's one of those things where I knew it was going to be this way this summer, where there is, you know, the, the psalms connect so much into the New Testament, and there's this beautiful thing where Psalm 19 is quoted by Paul in Romans 10, and then as you go through, he then quotes back to Isaiah 52. So we're going to kind of weave our way back and forth a little bit this morning. Morning. Um, this is one of those where theologically we could dive in for days just doing that on just this one psalm. I promise we're not going to go for days and days and days. Um, so this is Psalm 19. Um, it's the entire psalm, verses 1 through 14. To the choir master, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy." Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, <clears throat> the topic for today is the word of God. As you heard over and over in that text, this idea of the word proclaimed over and over and over again might cause us um, to pause for a second, and as we read the scriptures, have a moment, or really probably should be plural here, moments of crisis. The scripture does that. As, as you're reading scripture, um, most often as we read scripture, we find ourselves in, in a moment of just a, a small little crisis, nothing world-shattering, nothing world-ending, but these little crises where maybe we read something, we say, 
Better than gold? <laughs> really? <laughs> this word of the Lord, better than gold. I'm behind on payments, or I, I wish I had this, or all of those, those little moments of crisis, sinful crisis in the heart, or the idea that the law of the Lord is perfect. That one can be tough, too, because sometimes when you're reading the scriptures, you, you might end up reading something that you just don't love to hear or is difficult to understand. Sometimes the word of the Lord is even difficult for us to pick up and read at all. That's probably the most common moment of crisis, is when we think to ourselves, I really should be reading my Bible more. I really should be studying the scriptures more. I really should get my mind, my heart into the scriptures more often, but they're just so boring. Or I just don't love reading. Or I, I just don't have time. And I don't know where to start. And, and who knows like, wh where you're supposed to start in this book that's organized actually very strangely not in chronological order. It seems like kind of a mishmash here and there. And, and, and like, how do you start? Where is, is there the beginning? Is that G Genesis? And then I read through? Like that, That's a slog just to get to the Jesus part, right? I mean, it's... It's just, there's, there's these moments of crisis that we all have, and I've had them thousands and thousands of times as, as I've been diving into the scripture, struggling with what it says and struggling with what it means and, and how to share that with a congregation, how to share it in my family, how to spend time, what is the, the best use of my time to read which parts of scripture. We all have these moments of crisis when it comes to the scriptures because... We don't love them like we should. That's the impression that I get when I read Psalm 19. David is in love with Scripture. And he doesn't even have most of what we have, right? None of the New Testament. Lots of the prophets come after David, but he is still just absolutely in love. Listen to how he talks about it. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul the testimony, the word of the Lord is, is sure, making, making dumb people smart, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Man, he is in love with the word of God. And that's, that's something that not, not everybody really, really can say. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> not even every pastor loves the word of God. There's a lot of times where I've heard a lot of preaching where I wonder if, if that pastor loves what's in this book or Christians who are talking, and, and I wonder if they love what's in this book. And this, this, by that, I don't mean that, that they preach things that are law and, and fire and brimstone or happy, clappy, everything is wonderful. I just mean, where is, where is the soul to it? Where is, where is the joy of, of being in the scriptures? And this, this congregation uh, is blessed because I've been blessed with a love of this scripture. And Dan loves the scriptures. But we need to talk about what it means to love the scriptures a little bit. It doesn't mean you always like the scriptures. Love and like are two different things. There are times when I've, I've read in here 
and been stuck on something. I remember one time a great moment of crisis when I went, uh, I was in the seminary and I was studying and, and we have to stand before God and, and people and say that we will teach preach and confess this word of God and, and the doctrine that is found in our confessions. And our confessions are simply, this is what the word of God says. Everything about being an LCMS Lutheran, a Lutheran, a Missouri Synod Lutheran is this book and then set aside everything else. This is what we teach and believe in this book. Everything else is, is everything else and this book is different Right? A lot of churches will say that, but when you dig into what they're teaching, you might be like, no, nah. <laughs> I'm not sure where you find that in Scripture. Or I'm not sure how you read that in Scripture. We love this book in our sin. And I was at the seminary, and I was studying, and I was trying to understand the law of God. Because there are times when, when the law convicts, right? You read about something. You read here, when, it, when, it, when I just said, you know, more desired than gold. There's times when... I'm more focused on the family budget and, and how we're spending dollars than I am on this book. And I know you are too. And there are times when I read this and, and I say it makes the, the simple wise, like I feel dumber sometimes when I read the scriptures. Not more wise. Right? So there are times when I was struggling with this in the seminary and, and I went to one of my favorite professors, Dr. Bierman, my favorite professor for a very specific reason. He just tells you the truth, and, and he challenges students. And I like a challenge. I like a hard truth. And I, and I made a special appointment. This isn't like after class. Like I made a special appointment to meet him in his office, and I was just kind of spilling my guts to him. Like, man, can I take this, this ordination vow and say these things when I'm unsure? And he looked right at me, and he said, Luke, the problem is you're being stupid. <laughs> That's why I love Bierman. And he just, he just proceeded to, to unravel all of my thoughts by, by simply saying, you're not, you're not in love with the scriptures if you don't find them a little bit challenging. You don't really love the scriptures unless there are times you don't like them very much. And I thought long and hard about that. And as I was getting ready for this uh, message this morning, I, I thought of, of a way to kind of share that, that is probably a little bit risky to do in front of everybody in worship. Not as risky as swearing in a children's message, but pretty risky. <laughs> I just can't believe it wasn't me. <laughs> like, it just, <laughs> let's be honest, right? <laughs> what, I, what I mean is to love the scriptures. And I think the men will really appreciate this more even than the women. To love the scriptures is like loving your wife. Takes work. Told you it was risky. <laughs> right? Right? Loving your girlfriend is easy. All right? That, that one's, it's fun. It's exciting. It's new. There's all of this potential and future and unrealized things. And when you get married... Your, your girlfriend turns into your ex-girlfriend, right? And now you have a wife. And it takes discipline and time and energy. A marriage is something you put work into. 
It's not easy. It's not simple. There are times when my wife and I don't like each other too much. I might, might be one of those times right now. <laughs> we all know what I'm saying. This, this is just, I'm just telling you what is absolutely true in every marriage. There are times when you struggle, when, when you fight, when you disagree about things, when you don't see eye to eye, and, and those times... You don't leave, you don't, you don't bail, you don't run. What you do is, is you buckle down and you put the energy and effort into resolution, understanding. Sometimes you never find those and, and you simply just exist with a disagreement, but you're in love. And it's not a feeling of euphoria and joy. Those things can be born out of a marriage And those things can be a byproduct of love, but those moments when things are difficult, when you're reading scripture and and you don't understand it or you don't want to go to it or you don't have the time or whatever, you put the time and the energy and the discipline into reading it because we're called to love the scriptures. And as you do that, you will fall in love with the scriptures. You will fall in love with your wife, with your husband, if you put the time and the energy and the effort into it. It doesn't just happen by, by magic on its own. Love is a discipline. Love takes time, love takes energy, and it will cause you to grow and change, and that's what the scriptures do. And just like these scriptures, just like David is so in love with these scriptures, there were times in David's life when he was angry with the Lord, when he didn't like what God was doing. He didn't like the situation that he was in, but he loved the Lord. And unlike our relationships on earth, (laughs) Our spouses sometimes are wrong, but the Lord isn't. That's, that's the hardest part when it comes to loving the scriptures. The scriptures are just always right. You know, it's, it's not a coincidence, it's, it's not by accident that God describes his people as his bride and himself as the groom, but it's not like a husband and a wife here on earth. It's the perfect spouse with whom we are in love, the perfect spouse who interacts with us in his word. This is how we know this God of ours. This is how we know this heavenly, eternal relationship that he has designed for us that has similarities to a marriage on earth, but it is perfect, it is pure, it is beyond what we can fully comprehend, but everything that we can know about our God and everything we can know about our relationship with him is found here in this book. And this book in and of itself, the word of God, is nothing less than prophecy. That's second point in the sermon, but something else I want to I set straight in people's mind. When we think of prophecy, we tend to think of those future-oriented things. 
We tend to think of a, a, a prophecy as something I say today and it will come true in a hundred years or a thousand years, right? Something I proclaim or it's, it's found in scriptures and we'll see it happen someday. What prophecy really is, is just what the Lord said. <laughs> in all of the, the prophets in the Old Testament, it starts with the word of the Lord came to Isaiah during this time of this king doing this thing and it says, hey Israel, you're doing this. That's present tense. <laughs> You're doing this and not that. Present tense. And then it'll say, and those things that I did for you, now it's past tense, when I brought you out of Egypt, when I was the, the Lord who, who defended you. So now it's past tense. This is all still prophecy. And then there's a little bit of future tense. I will redeem you and I will rescue you. Prophecy isn't primarily about things that will happen. Prophecy is just what the Lord says. And it's, it's just as, as he proclaims. This is the office of pastor is based off of the Old Testament office of prophet, not priest. Right? Priests offer sacrifice. Jesus is our perfect priest when he offered himself as the sacrifice for our sins. A pastor should stand up here and just tell you what the word of the Lord says and, and put it in terms you can understand better, maybe work in some contemporary things, talk about his, his marriage and how perfect and wonderful his wife is, trying to bail himself out of previous comments. <laughs> that's, that's what pastors are called to do is, is just tell you what the word of the Lord says. And as, as I do that, I have fallen in love with just how absolutely divine this is. Here we have in Psalm 19 a verse quoted in Romans chapter 10 by Paul. And he says, he's quoting this part, Their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. That's the, the verse quoted from Psalm 19. This is the part of scripture that everybody knows. How then can they call on him whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. That's the text that, that, that is the part here from, from Psalm 19. That's where it's quoted. If we go back to Psalm 19, what is Psalm 19 saying? In that part of, of Psalm 19, he's talking about the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies above proclaim his handiwork, day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. David is saying just the outside world during the day is proclaiming God. That's God's word is right there in front of you. Look how magnificent and glorious God is. That there's a, a ball of burning hydrogen hundreds of thousands or millions or whatever it is miles away that, that gives us warmth and energy during the day that sustains life. All day. But then when it goes away, we see the myriad of stars in the sky. All these other burning balls of hydrogen all in an expanse that never ends. This is proclaiming God. The word of, the God, word of God is proclaimed constantly in everything that is created. But to understand it, to put it in the context that we need, we need to go to Scripture. See, the Word of God 
never ends its proclamation. As long as you have breath, as long as you are breathing, God's word is being proclaimed that he is sustaining you and caring for you watching over you, causing you to draw that breath that's in your lungs. That's the word of God being proclaimed simply by us living, walking, breathing. God is proclaimed to be powerful. God is proclaimed to be magnificent. See, the word of God can be seen absolutely everywhere, but in scripture we read something more Specific. Because the other part of the, the scripture that is quoted, so I said I was going to go from Psalm 19 to Romans chapter 10, and we did that, and we heard how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Well, that actually brings us back to Isaiah 52. My marker's in the right spot. And that's the beginning, Isaiah 52 and 53 bring us to this proclamation that we usually don't read or hear or bother with until we get to Lent. For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was not despised, and yet we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. I just told you about prophecy is God's word that is rarely about the future, and then just quoted Psalm or Isaiah 52 and 53 that is absolutely a future prophetic word about Jesus. See, Psalm 19 says all of those things that we see All of those things that are in this world can proclaim that God is is wonderful, magnificent, all-powerful. And God's word will also tell us that the best picture that we can look at for the state of humanity is this, smitten, stricken, afflicted, despised, scorned, ugly, dirty, beaten, broken man, Jesus. There it is. With the word of God, we can actually see the condition of mankind. And we get so good at at looking at the world through these rose-colored glasses, especially in our Western world with our resources, with our health care. We see healing that, that comes through medicine, through surgeries and procedures, and we think, wow, look what man has done. We, we see incredible technology and computers and 
infrastructure and buildings. Wow, look what man has done. But truly, at the end of the day, the condition of our hearts will match the condition of our bodies when they die because we are sinful, stricken with sin, broken in our hearts and our minds. Absolutely, in this picture of Jesus is the picture of mankind, this prophetic word about what Jesus becomes for us should really show us who we are without him. We see the Lord turns creation on its head in Jesus Christ, takes that which is perfect, as as the psalmist David says, that which is pure, that which is right, that which is holy, that which is righteous, that law and word of God, the word becomes flesh and then becomes sin. The word becomes flesh and then becomes despised. This perfect, holy, pure thing isn't loved by all people, but despised by people, and then killed by people. And that, that's on us, because it's who we are apart from him. All of those things that he had become are ours. All of the affliction is what we deserved. All of, all of the despising is what we should have. All of the, the beaten and brokenness and ugliness that, that he becomes, that's ours placed on him. And then in death, it is put to death. So our brokenness, our sin, our ugliness, our, all that makes us the ugliness of humanity is, is killed with Jesus. And that's why we can return to the psalm and say, the law of the Lord is perfect and revives my soul. Because those laws, those rules, those precepts that I violate... I rejoice that the punishment for that is placed on him and not me. And as he is raised from the dead because he's taken my sin, so too I will be raised from the dead on that last day and live in eternity with him in a perfect new heavens and new earth. Psalm 19, this word of the Lord that David is rejoicing in isn't easy. It isn't simple. As you read through it, you're going to wrestle with those concepts of why does he love the law that tells him he's a sinner? Because at the same time, that same word and that same law became flesh and took that sin upon him. How does he say that God is always right when clearly there's times I'm right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Except the perfect one has a perspective and understanding that's so far beyond ours that we don't even always know what right and wrong truly is. How can he say that it is more valuable than gold? Because even gold will be consumed on that last day. Gold is not raised from the dead. But the word of God raises us from the dead. Not just just longevity, not just permanent, but eternal 
is what the word of the Lord gives to us, eternal life. It's okay if you have times where you feel like you don't love scriptures, I would say reevaluate that. Maybe you just don't like them right now. <laughs> you're not in love, and you're, you're, you're in love, you're just not in like. Remember that from junior high? <laughs> you might not be in like with the scriptures, but if you stay and you wrestle and you fight and you grapple with this word of God, and you see in this word of God how, how he has given himself as the, the word of God become flesh for our sin. As you grapple with it, as you struggle with it, you will fall in love with it. And you'll fall in love with the God in this word who loves all of you, regardless of your flaws, your imperfections, your brokenness, your sinfulness, all those things that you, you would believe he would find despicable in you, he has dealt with in Jesus. And it's because he loves you so much that here in this word of God, you can fall in love with him. Amen. And may this peace which surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand to pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this uh, day to rejoice in your word that tells us the truth, that is genuine and pure, that speaks to us about the condition of man, but speaks to us about what you have done for us. So I pray, Lord, that uh, each and every one of us would fall in love with the scriptures so that we might better fall in love with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.